from the racing capital of the world, Indianapolis, Indiana. Welcome to season three, episode number 25 of the greatest spectacle in podcasting, the seventh year overrev show presented to you by our great friends and partners at grimeboss.com, makers of those fantastic skin safe, heavy duty hand wipes that'll take care of all your adhesives, glues, lubricants, whatever it happens to be, and including all of your bitter F1 and other motorsport rants. As per usual, I am your host, Kevin Krauss, and I am joined by the man himself, our good friend and co-host, my buddy, my brother from another mother, Mr. John McGrath. John, buddy, how you doing today, man? Good. Just uh, kind of thinking about the race. Kind of, we just we both just got done watching it, so we're fresh out of it. This way, we could immediately jump into the show and start talking about what we think about with the sprint race and with the Grand Prix. Absolutely. This weekend's Brazilian Formula One Grand Prix, since there's not a whole lot else in in motorsports to talk about right now, was a pretty pretty epic weekend. Lots of firsts, lots of heroes, lots of zeros. <laughs> and you, our good listeners, there in seventh gear over Evland, are catching it raw, literally within uh, what less than an hour or so after each of us have watched the race today. So, man, where do we start, John? I, I I gotta, I gotta think we start with one of the coolest stories of the entire weekend, and that's K Mag pulling off an improbable pull for this so, race. Yeah. yeah, I mean, call it what you will, call it luck, call it whatever you want. Fact of the matter is, it's gonna go down in history that K Mag got a pole in a Haas, which I, nobody was expecting that. And in I, a Haas, exactly. Yeah, you know, I and I you know what I'm here for it. You know, I'm I'm all aboard being aboard the Steiner ship. I have been the whole the whole season. And I was just really happy to see K Meg get that and just happy for the team overall. Same here. And it's like, you know, this leads into the second hero of the entire weekend, which is freaking George Russell, man. I mean, first of all, K Meg should be buying Russell dinner for like the next year because he was the one who beached it that caused the red flag that allowed the reins to come in during qualifying that secured right. the pole for Magnuson. Then Russell goes out and he wins the sprint race. And then he goes out and he wins in damn near dominating fashion today at Sao Paulo. He had, there was, you know, there was a little bit of question there for a while when tires were being spoke of, but man, once, I mean, you saw at the beginning of the race, he had nearly the perfect start. I mean, he just blew away everybody, beat away Lewis, beat away everybody there. And it was just nice to see stepping back a little bit. I do want to mention, of course, because we have to going back to the sprint race, Leclerc saying, Hey, am I the only one on inters? <laughs> hey, you are. Oh, and then that was it. That was the conversation. And well, yeah. For, yeah. The, for the beginning. I mean, and then when they got there, what do we see again? This complete indecision by Ferrari to choose a tire. Pick one, something, get out there. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a, a freaking rubber band around a rock. Pick a tire and go. Well, right. And honestly, the, the whole Ferrari shit show continued into the race. And God knows how and thank, thank God, actually, for the fucking safety car, because that's what saves science, because all of a sudden we're looking at science pulling a four stop strategy. And I'm thinking, here we go again. Ferrari's going to screw the pooch and they're going to fuck these guys over. Leclerc recovered. But we'll get into the whole Leclerc thing in a little bit, too, yeah, because yeah. that was very un Leclerc like. But man. We we saw, obviously, we talked about K-Mag as the hero of, of qualifying mm -hmm. and then Russell, but it's like as quickly as they rise, that's as quickly as and or quicker as they fall because K-Mag was the first one out, went from hero to zero, thanks to our good friend and our buddy, Danny Ricardo at the beginning of the race. Uh, yeah, that was really disappointing to see. I don't, know, I don't know. It's almost like Danny doesn't have any depth perception or something or doesn't know where the front of that car is. It was very disappointing to see that because it did, I, I think, Crofty said it toward the beginning when after K-Mag got passed and everybody was running. Uh, this is just sort of the uh, hierarchy of 
performance in each of these cars because immediately, you know, we knew immediately that uh, that Kevin wasn't going to be able to hold, hold on to that first position. I mean, absolutely right. That, that's just a given. Um, the fact that he held it for to the first two laps, though, I got to say, yeah, was pretty yeah, epic. No. I didn't think he'd make it that far. Yeah. And I just I think it goes to show, too, that the couple actually shows a couple things with Haas. One, the car isn't that bad. It's not a bad car. It also shows, unfortunately, Mick Schumacher is not great in any sense of the word. <laughs> Correct. You know, I don't, I, I like the kid. I do. I don't have anything against him, but he, you know, it's in this case though. I mean, you, you, in the sprint, when we have K Magus first granted through kind of serendipitous luck with what happened with George, but it is what it is. But then we have Mick Schumacher bringing up 20th last. Yeah. First and I saw, and I saw, last. yeah, I saw, I saw a great meme. It's a, you ever see that uh, picture of Gordon Ramsay when he has two pieces of bread on the girl's head and he and he says to her, what are you? And she's supposed to say an idiot sandwich. <laughs> well, somebody put that. on the two. Yeah, somebody. It, it, that's what he says to her. He says, you're an idiot sandwich. Well, somebody took that same meme and put the two pieces of bread and says, what are you? And it says the Brazilian sprint race. And it's K-Mag on one side of the bread and Mick Schumacher <laughs> on the other. <laughs> I love it. But it now, great. you know, you almost have to ask the question. We've been we've been bashing Nicholas Latifi all season long for being the weakest link in Formula One. Well, obviously, now he's only got one race left, and then we we will hopefully not see any here or hear of Nicholas Latifi anymore this moving forward. And then we turn our t- attention to, to Lance Stroll. But it's like, okay, who really realistically let's let's be real here let's it's fucking nut cutting time here in formula one is the weakest link is it schumacher or is it stroll now two different circumstances for sure you got stroll with dad's money there at aston martin he's been around for a while he's done some things reasonably well but in recent races he's been a complete asshole driving fucking i don't know what he's thinking he moved over on alonso at the usgp he's yeah. moving around again he forced vettel off the track uh, <laughs> onto the grass in brazil this weekend your teammate your teammate your teammate <laughs> right exactly or I, do we I have loved- schumacher that you know in the lowly haas but again he you know, the, the team controls both those cars and yet yeah, they yeah. managed to put K-Mag I on mean, pole in, in, you know, granted, you know, luck, lucky circumstances. But Schumacher, man, now I'm having a hard time making an argument for him staying in Formula One. Well, he did. A, he did have a much better Grand Prix than he did sprint race. So there's that. Also, though, I just think Mick doesn't do anything super aggressive where you have Lance Stroll almost causing wrecks. And, and then on top of that, your teammate. So I think for those reasons, I, I, I feel like strolls a little bit more, I don't know. I hate to say the word entitled, but I feel like, I feel like he is taking his frustrations out on the track to other people, including his own teammate. In this case, Sebastian Vettel. And by the way, I love Seb's reaction to it. When he got back in line, all he, he responded back to the radio was okay. Like yeah. What, yeah, what the I fuck was that? that? You know, so so I still I'm still because of the type of driving they both do, I'm still leaning towards stroll. And that might be just because I don't like his face, but well, that's a whole he, different discussion. Right. Yeah. Um, he's he's got that personal groomer that, you know, keeps that those two eyebrows apart from God, those eyebrows. Man, you could put a deer blind in one of those things. It's insane. Seriously, I get it. Um, so anyway, I don't want to be petty and make fun of the kid in that way. But oh, um, why not? This is what we do. We, of course, we were petty and we make fun of fucking that's, bullshit in Formula that's, One. And anyway, no, you're right. You're right. There. But uh, yeah, you know, you know. So we have that. I'll tell you what was. I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit here, but it's it's what's sticking out my mind 
two drivers that are sticking out in mind at the end of this Grand Prix, which one, I'm not surprised. Two, I've lost a little bit of respect for. Um, one, I'm not surprised is with Verstappen not allowing Checo to go around and just ignoring team orders and saying, no, I'm not going to let him around. I have my reasons why. And then we see Checo say, see, this is the kind of, I'm paraphrasing at this point, but Checo apparently has been quoted as saying something along the lines of, see, now he just shows who the real person that he is. Okay. Like, dude, like, whoa. Hold, yeah. Hold that thought because there's the, there's a whole lot to unpack there at the end of this yeah. Grand Prix. But yeah. let me just backtrack for a second, kind of back to the whole Schumacher and, and Stroll deal for just okay. a second, for a couple of other thoughts. Sure. You had said something just a few minutes ago, John, about, you know, how Schumacher doesn't do anything overly aggressive like Stroll does. Therefore, you know, he's maybe a little bit safer, so to speak. Sure. And maybe flipping the coin here on the Schumacher, that Schumacher narrative, maybe that's part of Schumacher's problem is that he's not aggressive enough. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, his, his dad was certainly way more aggressive than he is. Now, that said, you know, he had a shitload of crashes earlier in the year and everybody was wondering, you know, how deep are Gene Haas's pockets, you know, to be able to survive all this crash damage given the new spending cap limits sure. right yeah so to in in that defense he's he's been fairly clean let's say sure right the last few races but at the same time has he had to kind of dial it back to try to you know position himself mm. to possibly get another ride and not take the risks or is it just inherent in him not to do that or because honestly k mag is pretty well i mean i don't have the exact numbers but i think k mags pretty well all qualified him all season long and finished ahead of him all season long which leads me to believe that schumacher either a doesn't have it which is probably option number one or two he's not ready so maybe Mm. it's a reserve kind of role for him but at the same time what's his nuts uh that they brought in at the usgp to be the fp1 driver I can't even think of the guy's name right now, but he crashed it in in FP1 at in Austin when they were legitimately saying that he was in in consideration for that second seat to K Mag next year. So be be that as it may, that's you know small potatoes, so to speak, as, yeah, yeah. as we say in this part of the world. But then you right. get the stroll, and stroll to me has just exhibited bad judgment in a number of instances. You know, Schumacher, you could say, well, okay, maybe wrong place, wrong time, you know, not experienced enough, whatever. But Stroll, these last couple of races with what he did this weekend to to Vettel, pushing him off into the grass and then moving over on Alonso, that could have been way, way bigger than that ultimately was in Austin. That dude is setting himself up for a bad precedent because it's not going to get any easier for him next year. Granted, Vettel's, you know, riding off into the sunset, but he's going to get Fernando Alonso. That's not going to take any shit. (laughs) And speaking of Fernando Alonso, he and Ocon got back into shit again this weekend. And he just comes out and said, thank goodness there's only one more race to go. Mm Because you could tell Alonso is just freaking done with Alpine. He's Well, he's probably more done with Ocon than he is with Alpine. Yeah, yeah. 100% agree. And, you know, I love when they go to the pit lane interviews on the Sky Sports broadcast and they've got, you know, Crofty and all those guys talking to guys like Otmar Schaffnauer. Yeah, yeah. And Otmar Schaffnauer, I swear to God, is like the modern day version of Henry Kissinger trying to be like the, 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 the head of state trying <laughs> to play the PC game and like, well, yeah, yeah I think yeah. he could have given him some more room here. And yeah, we've yeah. been on the other side of that coin before. And, you yeah. know, with McLaren going out this weekend and the whole deal. But it's like, man. You, you, they, that is probably the team in Formula One that cannot wait for next weekend's finale in Abu Dhabi to be done and dusted so they can go. 
thank God we avoided a fucking disaster right there. Right. But let's not, but also too, have they, because now they're getting Pierre Gasly and it's also kind of known that Gasly and Ocon don't really get along, even though they're the both Frenchmen and it's a whole French team and everything else. Yay. Yay. For national pride. Great. Wonderful. Is this going to be another situation with Alonso though, where, you know, now you've got two younger guys who are kind of, you know, especially Pierre, Pierre has displayed sometimes that he's, he can, he'll throw it out there. You know, even though sometimes I wonder if, you know, he's I I feel like he's got the personality of a fence post. I don't know. But anyways, me being petty, Well, you know, it's but, you know, I just I just can't wait to see what happens with that. If it's going to be. Yeah. okay, let's you know, Alonzo moves on to Aston Martin and here we've got Gasly and oh, we're back to square one. Well, think about think about before Aston Martin was Aston Martin and it was. You know, God, I, I can't even think of the name of the team right now. When they had the pink livery with the BWT uh, deal, the old Force India that became whatever the fuck it became before it's now Aston Martin. When you had what was it, Ocon and Sainz, and yeah, they were crashing yeah, each yeah. other out. Yep. And it's like, okay, now you got Gasly and Ocon. Yes, again, this has this has the potential at the very least to be huge. Formula One entertainment for us for next year. Provided oh, for, I have no doubt that it is. You know, un- unless Ferrari does a repeat of this season. But you got Gasly, who's won a race. And as you said, is not afraid to throw it out there and, and get his elbows out. You got Ocon, who's won a race. Thanks to his teammate, Fernando Alonso, by the way. And thanks for that great repayment job there. Uh, Esteban. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and who is, you know, not afraid to mix it up either. So Aston Martin and not Aston Martin, uh, those guys at LP next year could be a really entertaining duo uh, at the very least. Right. So, but, you know, I do want to get on touch on Ferrari for a second um, before we get into sort of like the main Grand Prix. Um, it's interesting how, yes, again, for all their mess ups, we still can't take away the fact that they got third and fourth from pretty much crawling back from, you know, midfield. Again, it just proves that Ferrari has a great when, when everything works, it works really well. But when it doesn't, it is just a dumpster fire. I, I, I've never seen anything quite like it. It's pretty amazing. Well, and, and fortunately, and kind of kind of along those same lines, John, with Ferrari, Ferrari's got a good enough car if they would just get out of their own fucking way. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was the choice yeah. of tires, you know, to go out for qualifying where Leclerc was the only one on the mediums and everybody, everybody else was on softs or whatever the fuck it was. But it's like, hey, did you notice, by the way, and I didn't watch all of uh, the free practice sessions, but did you notice whenever they showed anybody in the Ferrari pit wall, suspiciously missing was Matteo Bonato. I saw every other well, Italian looking Linguini dude uh, other than the stress pencil known as Matteo Bonato. Total Wolf the- was there either. So there might be have some sort of principal thing going on or something's going on. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't even see Christian Horner. I don't know if he was there or not either. Uh, I believe he was. I was think I there? did see him. I did yeah, see him. Yeah, Toto wasn't there either. So I don't know. That's that's an interesting point. Uh, I, I don't know if something's going on or maybe there's, you know, they're already starting the changing of the guard because they just looked at it and said, hell, there's well, only two more races. So this kind of leads into the sort of that home stretch of, of stream of consciousness stuff, right? Because, okay. And we'll dive into the whole, you know, team order thing at the very finish of the race. But as it turned out, whether it was because Ferrari didn't let Leclerc buy science or because Verstappen didn't let uh, Checo past him. Now we go into the season finale with Leclerc, I think, a two point lead over Checo in the driver's uh, championship. Tied, I think. Are they tied? I thought I, I saw two tied. points. But either way, whether it's two points or tied, it's, it's close enough to where. Tight. Yeah. And 
Ferrari still holds what is it? A, I think it's a twenty-three point lead over Mercedes in the constructors' yeah, championship. Not based much, on yeah. the one-two for Mercedes and the three-four for Ferrari. Correct. So this is going to be really interesting, and certainly Alpine got helped out in their their case to put McLaren away when when Ricardo and then Lando went out at various points in the race today. But man, now yeah, now we get into the whole thing. What the fuck? Charlotte Claire. This was very on Charlotte Claire like, where he's a full two plus seconds behind science and science has got a podium and he's asking the team to have considered the championship. I need every point. Right. So, and that's where you, I, that's exactly what I was talking about earlier, where, you know, I, I expected that sort of language from Max. I didn't expect it from Leclerc. I was really disappointed when he was saying that over the radio. And I don't know, maybe it's a, a point of desperation or, you know, whatever. But I feel like this weekend has really shown the true colors of a lot of teams and it's a lot of drivers. And it shows you that when maybe when a championship and either driver or constructor is not on the table anymore, because that's already that ship has sailed. It kind of showed a little bit more into the inside about how some guys actually think. Yeah. And, and so, you know, in teams overall, I mean, you know, here we have Verstappen, who is clearly, and I think Crofty said it, he is clearly showing that Max is, you know, by saying what he said and doing what he's doing, he feels like he is running the show over at Red Bull. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that's not the case. While I understand you're a driver, your world championship, and you helped, you know, put it into the constructors' championship. Fine, great, wonderful. You do not run the team. If your engineer is telling you, let him go, you fucking let him go. You know, I'm not one for fan or team orders, rather. I'm not a fan of it. But in this case, it's a part of it that's there. So you have to deal with it. And if that thing is being implemented, just take, I mean, you already won the fucking championship, dude. Just just fucking let it go. You know, just your little monocle bullshit. It just shows to me again, and I've said this before, how fucking petty Max is. Out of all the drivers there, and I've said it before, I dislike him the most. I will never take away his skill as a driver, but as a person, I think he's a shitbag. Yes, I would tend to agree with you on that. And and here's the thing. And before I dive into the thing, let's yeah. just say, uh, let's just give AMG Mercedes huge kudos because oh, yeah. they were playing to finish one, two, the entire race. Absolutely. And they didn't get shady. They didn't get sketchy. They didn't fuck anybody over. No. They didn't. And they told both Lewis and George, that they were free to race. That free they to didn't race. have yep. to work for the one-two. So kudos right. to them. Right. Good Good on you, Mercedes AMG. I love think this that. Is, that is I the think, spirit of the yeah. sport right there. Yeah, exactly. I loved it. I loved it. I love the fact that Lewis was in the position he was in. You know, he was trying to legit race. And I was I was hoping he would. I didn't want him to just give it to, to Russell. He didn't. Because he, you could see he was he was making time, just barely though. But he didn't have enough car because right. uh, I think I think he had that like one and a half second, and George was able to keep him out of the DRS. Yeah. So, but no, George I'm, had him pretty well covered off. Yeah. So you know, I was super happy for George, especially. I, I I've championed that kid since he got an F one. I've liked him the whole time, so I'm really happy to see this. Uh, and I'm happy with you know how Lewis handled it and how the team handled it. It was clean. That was the best part it about it. Clean. It was clean. It was classy. No question. It was above board. It was exactly to the spirit of the sport. And I think this will be the first 
as they said in the broadcast, the first of many for George. I, I, yeah. I loved everything that they did and how AMG played it. That was perfect. And and I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I mean, what a massive turnaround for that particular program from the start of yes. the season when they had such issues with the porpoising and, and how everybody's, both Lewis and George were getting beaten up. But, you know, my sta- my standing theory with seven-time consecutive constructor champions and, and you know, up until last year, driver champions, the empire will strike back. Do not count yeah. those guys out. They got too um, too much brain power going on back at uh, you know Brackley there at the, at the HQ. But to your point about the character of these individuals, Max, son of a bitch, Max, and I get that to to be. In a lot of cases, especially in Formula One, because of how cutthroat it is, whether you're Ayrton Senna, Elon Prost, Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, you've got to be a bit of a prick, yeah. right? In order to, to get the team to, to work predominantly for you or skew in your favor, or whatever. But when you are told, you know, and he knew damn well how tight that P2 was and how important it is to Red Bull in the Drivers' Championship, not right. to mention the Constructors' Championship, which is already pretty much done. However, come on, you want to you wanna be a little bitch about this whole Monaco scenario? And he's yep. like, oh, I gave my reasons. Are we clear? Who the fuck are you, Max? Yeah. You know, I yeah. watched a movie the other day that was completely unrelated to Formula One, and it was it was a food movie. It was about a chef, and the, and the chef is like, you don't talk to me that way. And the owner's like, wait a minute, you're a chef, you're a cook. You work for me. Yeah. I pay you. It's my food. I pay the salary for your hostess. I pay the, for the napkins and the glasses and the food. It's my restaurant and it's my food. So, Max, I don't know what the fuck you're thinking. And by the way, Max, let me remind you that even though you want to bitch about, you know, Checo, you know, having some sort of nefarious intent for crashing at Monaco to fuck his pullover, how many times has Checo helped you to victories and held people back so you could get oh, those wins yeah. and win that championship? So, yep. fuck off, Max Verstappen. Yep, exactly. That's why I said I, I just I've said this since I've said this since he was a rookie. I've never liked him ever. Again, not taking away his skill, but him as a person, I think he, you know, I mean, you're talking about this hothead that, you know, whose dad has also got fucking a nefarious past too. So let's not forget that. Well, his dad did have a hot girlfriend, I have to say. Well, you know, well, when you're in that world, that's what happens. It's kind of like right. by default. I mean, for as ugly, short and fat as I am, if I was a Formula One driver, I'd be having the hottest one on my lap, too. But that's just how the world works. Sure, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, I was I'm just so sick of him. This entitlement. I hate again. I hate using that word because it's just thrown around too much today. But, you know, he just walks around with this fucking snobby ass attitude like you will respect me for who I am no matter what. You know what? I get it. Your world champion. Okay, cool. Well, the first one I think is under nefarious fucking ways, but that's that's gone. This year, okay. I still think Red Bull's been fucking around with something. I still think they're cheating in some aspect. They're just getting away with it. And if they aren't, cool, great. But yeah, no, I have zero respect for Max Verstappen. Champ, he could win seven championships. I don't care. I, I it doesn't matter to me. He will always be to me the biggest asshole in Formula One in this generation. Well, and I also, okay. and I'm I also glad you qualified add, that because there were probably bigger assholes in previous generations, aka sure. his girlfriend's dad, Nelson Piquet. Exactly. And I do want to say about Mercedes too. I think Mercedes with with way, with what they're displaying, with how they've turned their program around, I think this is a big warning shot across the bow to Red Bull for next year. A big one. I think if this continues. Because I don't think the cars are drastically changing too much for next year's rules. I'm sure there'll be something. But if they stay, for the most part, where they're at, I got a feeling, as you said, the Empire's going to strike back and we're going to see a lot of races with a silver arrow in the front. Well, you know, interestingly, because uh, to your point, I think, yes, for, I mean, 
clearly Mercedes AMG has shown the greatest progress throughout the course of the season. More, bar none. You know, yeah. Red Bull's kind of pretty much been on point, except for, you know, they, of course, had those reliability issues at the beginning of the season. But nobody has shown as much improvement during the course of the season as uh, AMG Mercedes. Absolutely. Aston Martin has come along in like yeah. the last handful of races. So, but not to the extent that AMG Mercedes has. No. Now, I will say, kind of going back to the whole Max Verstappen thing here for us. Oh, check that rewind. So we're talking about the shot across the bow here with AMG Mercedes for the teams next year if they finish strong and and you know it's entirely it's entirely possible that they take P2 in the constructors championship away from Ferrari next weekend. But Red Bull after that whole spending cap issue when they had to wait to issue the penalty because Dietrich Mateschitz had died at the USGP because they'd already determined what had gone on but they waited because of his death to to announce right. the penalty. So Red Bull's been fined 7 million bucks drop in the bucket. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe it's not now. It's only $145 I mean, million dollar budget. But I then guess, they've also yeah. been docked like 10% less wind tunnel time and CFD uh, limitations as well. Yeah. So, and I said it earlier, maybe even on last week's show, it's like, okay, what's done is done for this year. It's not going to, it's not going to take away from their championship slash championships, one, two in the driver's championship, constructor's championship, whatever. We're not, we're not going to know until next year how, you know, what effect that's going to have. But in terms of Red Bull and Max Verstappen, you know, I've always been a little skeptical of Max. Not in terms of his talent. His talent is undeniable. I have no, I, I have no qualms about his talent. But you always wonder: Is he going to be this impetuous little immature early twenty-something, as Danny Ricardo would say on Netflix, little cunt? <laughs> <laughs> or is he actually going to grow up and kind of get it? Well, then, and you probably saw this, John, when they ran the USGP in Austin a couple of weeks ago, they sat down, they did a sit down interview with Max and Max was like, you know, in the moment, this is the most important thing, but ultimately, is it really the most important thing in life? And I was like, wow, this is a whole new side of Max Verstappen. This this whole, you know, I, I see the bigger picture kind of thing. I've kind of grown up a little bit. And I'm like, oh, maybe I need to give Max a little bit of a break. And then he follows it up with this fucking bullshit at the end of the race today. Now, I will say from, from the TV feed, it looked like they asked him to let Checo buy a little bit late. And there is too big of a gap. But Max is not. There's obviously he's not going to lose the championship. He could have let Checo by and put a bigger gap between him and Leclerc instead of being either tied or behind by two points. But that little bitch for whatever, it's like, excuse me, Max, let's remember a what what Checo has done for you as a teammate, particularly last year, let alone this year, but also how much you're getting paid to do yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're um, not Dietrich Mateschitz, Max. You're, <laughs> you're the latest fucking monkey attached to the steering wheel. Exactly. And your and, career will go away before you know it. So appreciate what you have and do what you're told. You little bitch. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Cause I did notice, I'd noticed like you too on the TV feed that Max was well ahead of, of, Checo. So I thought too, well, maybe there were just wasn't enough time for him to slow down or something. But then the radio with him saying, I'm not going to do it because of Monaco, I gave you my reasons. Are we clear on that or whatever? Are we said. clear? Yeah. Are we clear? That was the part that that, that, that proved it. That just edge. yeah, that just proved I was like, and I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt too. I was like, man, he's he is kind of far out. He's like two, three seconds ahead of him. But then but when he, he then, tells the team, are we team? clear? What yeah. the fuck, dude? Who do yeah. you think you are? Yeah, yeah. Are we clear? I mean, if I was Christian Horner, I'd almost be half tempted to rip him out of the fucking car myself and tell him, here you listen, you stupid little bitch. You're gonna stop with this immature bullshit. We are a team, and while you are important, you are a cog of a much larger machine. 
You will listen and do what you are told. Yep. And do you really think that Dietrich Manischitz would be proud of that? No. No, I I, I highly doubt it. I mean, uh, obviously, I can't speak for him. He's not with us anymore. And maybe he was a son of a bitch, too. I don't know. But man, that is not the way to win friends and influence people, man. Let me tell you what. And going into next year with those two being teammates, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Abu Dhabi. But it appears that there is starting to become a rift between those two within Red Bull. And that is not going to be a good thing moving forward. Well, but you know what the unfortunate part that is though about that is if if there is a rift and it is, it's clearly growing, especially with what I stated before, where apparently Checo said, well, this kind of just shows who he really is. Obviously there's something there that they've been very good at hiding and not showing to the public, which is pretty good for a Formula One team because usually these guys wear their heart on our sleeve most of the time. Yes, they have to also think as a team how much Checo's sponsorships bring in as far as the cash goes, because he brings in quite a hefty check for that team. And he has he has Max has to think about, you know, yeah, we're winning championships. We're doing this. We're doing that. Well, part of that money that the reason why your ass is in that good car that you're in is because of your bro behind you. Just saying and you're yeah. And your bro behind you brought in the Telmex money and the Australia, uh, Australia uh, beer cerveza money that allowed them to keep the Honda engine program and bring it in house when Honda is pulling out. Exactly. So Max, wake the fuck up, you little bitch. Yep. So but yeah, that's once again, it, it's just proving to me that, you know, my feelings about Max have been correct this entire time. You know, and then you, you never want to be right about these things. You, you always want to see these athletes who are, you know, show phenomenal skill and athleticism that, you know, these guys are also good people. And we also, we very well know that within any racing, no matter what the skill is, there are just some not very good people in racing. So yeah, it, there's a lot, a lot of sleaze bags, whether it's at the highest level of Formula One, IndyCar, sports car, it permeates the industry. Matter. And that is, that is the slimy, low hanging underbelly of this glamorous sport that we all love. True. But I will say this being, I never thought I would say this. So here we go. I think I might start to be pulling for Mercedes AMG next year. I really am. I don't really have a team that I pull for. Used to be a big Ferrari guy, so they got caught cheating. Which I know you could you could make the argument they all cheat, but I just you know when 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 you cheat and still lose, just get the fuck out of here. I'm done. Yeah, you're you know? a bad cheater. Yeah, you're a bad cheater. <laughs> um, you know, I I think uh, even for as much crap that I've given Lewis, I'm really pulling for George. And being that they are still somewhat the underdog, even to Ferrari, which is weird to say because of Ferrari's constant stepping on their own dick. But I think next year that I might be pulling for AMG Mercedes. I think I really am. Well, I mean, that's not a bad call. I mean, and obviously for me personally, I have a bit of an affinity for AMG and Mercedes, sure, as, as sure. you all well know. But I have also been very outspoken uh, in terms of Sir Louise uh, Hamilton, who has been very magnanimous and very much the bigger person during this last stretch of the Formula One season, even with George winning the sprint race yesterday and the GP today. Uh, give give the guy credit. He was he was very, very kind and, and very complimentary about George, as well as the team and the job that they had all done. But it, it kind of along those lines. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been a George fan since obviously his early days at Williams, and I didn't realize that he had debuted, you know, prior to Williams a, a few seasons ago. But be that as it may, George, George is a favorite. Now, next weekend is going to either muddy further 
some of these relationships and some of these intra-team issues, or it's going to cement in, I'm sure, your mind and mine and probably many other hundreds of millions of F1 fans across the world. You know, how is Leclerc going to rebound from this? Because I was like you, I was very disappointed to hear Leclerc come over the radio multiple times asking the team to consider the championship and let, I mean, he was at least two, almost three seconds behind Carlos and you wanted him to give up a podium. Yeah. A hard earned podium after all the shit that science has been through during the course of the season. Let's, let's look how Carlos has to feel right now with that coming out like that too. Like, dude, you know, I know we're supposed to race. And I mean, if he was on his tail the whole time, I, and he, if he got around Carlos, I'd be like, okay, cool. You got it. Getting on the radio and begging for the third place for championship points. Get the fuck out of here, dude. I am. I'm over it. That's it. That's it. It just kind of shows again. Maybe he's at a point of desperation, as I said earlier, but I, I just can't. I can't stand it when you have somebody begging for points or begging for a position over their teammate when the guy is about to get third place. Even though it's just third place, I get it. We can say, oh, that's not the great, but whatever. It's like begging let, for let, money. It's like begging for money. It's just like, dude, you know, it's so it's beneath like, you. Yeah. It's like, come on, you know, be, you know what the sport is. Carlos earned his spot there. And Carlos, I thought for sure. I thought for sure. Carlos was done early. Yeah. Way early. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, I you mean, know, I thought multiple hell, pit I th- stops. Yeah. I thought Lewis was done after the, after getting tagged, you know, the con the contract, uh, the contact with Max, you with know, Max. and yeah. same thing, you know, and granted, you know, Charles had the, the contact with Lando and mm-hmm. somehow we made it back from that, but it's like, fuck. I mean, Ferrari, you know, made bad tire choices on science and thank God for the safety car that brought him back into, into the fray. Right. It's like, come on, dude. You know, if the, if this, situation were reversed i don't know that carlos science would be asking the team to have Charles back out of it so he could take the position yeah i don't think so i mean i didn't think charles would do that prior to this day either but i don't think carlos would i don't think i think he would just be quiet and sort of do his you can tell carlos does his own quiet brooding on the side you know carlos he, is much more that stoic you know yeah latin personality yeah you could tell he was not really happy with today but didn't really express it either. You know, he thank you know, he congratulated uh, George on his win and everything else. And, you know, yeah, like, I mean, he, he, he took he the high five, Right. And he had the five position grid penalty. So, I mean, he did, you know, and he said in the post-race interview, you know, perhaps if they'd have chosen a different tire strategy again, thank you fucking Ferrari for fucking this up yet again, yep. they could have maybe done better on the day, but third place given all that shit and what four pit stops. Yep. Not a bad result. Not a bad you result. Know, you know, and Charles, how about, dude, how about you just do a better job, right? And put yourself in a position to actually earn it instead of trying to beg for it like a pathetic right. little bitch. I mean, so, to his credit, he was like, what, 15th, 16th or something and clawed his right way back to fifth. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Yeah. Hey, you know, great. Good job. You know, good job. Whatever, you know, good job. Uh, but that's but come what on. they pay you to do. That's your job. That's exa- you're right. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, I mean, I've been a huge Leclerc fan, but it's like, man, this this kind of put a dent a little bit in my confidence about that guy. And we've seen him make mistakes on track before, but this was, you know, potentially from a, a team dynamic standpoint, a very poor tactical move. Because I'm sure, Absolutely. obviously, science has heard about what 
Charles asked for. We'll see what happens at Abu Dhabi. But going into next year, I mean, I'm I'm like like you. I'm pulling for George. I'm actually pulling for Science more because Science, through no fault of his own, has been screwed yeah. over probably worse than anybody in the course of the season. The only luck that man has is bad luck. I mean. Yeah. All year, because uh, he he shows once again he can take that Ferrari and, and he is fast in it. I mean, right? You know. And plus, we've also seen Charles is always doing you know fastest lap and always beating Red Bull in qualifying. The car is amazingly fast; it just can't handle it in the races. And of course, the wonderful strategy that they get out of a cereal box, apparently. Uh, so you're right. Exactly. So that that's just that. But yeah. But overall, I was it was a great race. I felt. I know we, we after Max won the championship, we kind of took the attitude of, well, what the fuck's the point of watching the rest of the season? Season over. But I, I'm glad I have, and I'm looking forward to Abu Dhabi to see what kind of carries over because apparently there ain't some great blood between Checo and Max, and I'm really interested to see how that plays out into the next season. Right. And and I will say, and, and as much as I, I don't back down from what I said, that the Formula One season was over once Max clinched it three races ago, you know, it's like today's today's race. The racing was good. The racing, racing was, was elbows out. Sprint, the sprint racing was phenomenal. I mean, I it was really awesome. enjoyed that. It was awesome. And there were so many highlights, you know, from K-Mag's pole to, to Russell winning the sprint race. And then today's race, the recovery drives from, you know, Leclerc and, and Science and, and the bullshit at the end, notwithstanding. it The racing itself, I thought, was pretty solid. It was good. Yeah. But now, knowing that next week, P2 in the Drivers' Championship and P2 in the Constructors' Championship are on the line, and they're tight. Whether whether Checo and Charles are tied or there's a two point difference, it honestly it doesn't matter. Whether doesn't matter either way, you know that's going to be something to watch. And is Max going to help Checo out in that, or is he going to be a dick like he was at the end of the race today? And is Checo going to then take matters into his own hands as well as the I think it's a 23 point difference that Ferrari holds the the lead in P2 in the constructors' championship over AMG. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we got that. So there's going to be a shit ton of strategy on that. I don't know because I ha- I haven't looked close enough at the points to see if McLaren even has a shot of catching Alpine for the next spot in in the constructors championship. But um, you know, there's certainly a lot of a lot of storylines. You know, it'll be the farewell tour for Danny Rick next weekend, as it will be for Nicholas Latifi. Not that anybody's gonna you know miss that. So uh, I'm I'm looking at it right Sebastian now. Vettel. Right. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss. Uh, but um, looking at it right now, after this race, apparently Alpine has 167 and McLaren has 148. So that's a tight race, also. That is true. And I mean, I wonder too. In the next week, are we going to see any other kind of announcements, i.e., driver announcements? Like, are we going to have an answer on what's going to happen with Schumacher and Haas? Oh, I did read that Gene and Steiner have come to his decision on Mick, and they Which said they would, they said they would announce it after the race. Of after. course, they did. Yeah, they're not going to announce it until after uh, after. However, Dobby. I mean, let's let's just let's just go back and say if there was ever a team that needed some positivity out of a season slash race, it was Haas. They had right. just signed a new sponsor, the the MoneyGram folks, right before the USGP in Austin, which it seems to be legit, unlike Rich Energy or Nikita Mazepin. But for them to get take pole on the on qualifying and it being the day before Gene Haas's 70th birthday, I mean, how much more press could that team have gotten? 
you know, especially the MoneyGram folks. The MoneyGram folks got to be fucking ecstatic. Oh and- yeah, for sure. They're all over the. T- but while we're here, I'm just doing the little. Re- I'm doing. I'm pulling a Jamie from the Joe Rogan experience and talking and looking at stuff on the internet. Here is something very interesting that I have not read before. Apparently, Mick Schumacher and Daniel Ricardo's 2023 decisions are linked. Interesting. Is this breaking so, news, John? Are you freaking this, this breaking news? This was 11 hours ago. I'm trying hmm. to look through it now to see what in the world they are talking about michael schmidt claims that schumacher and ricardo's decisions are linked with both drivers having made it clear that formula one remains their priority for next season so that's pretty interesting ricardo has already settled for a reserve driver role says schmidt schumacher will have to consider this possibility in the event of a negative decision from his team so ah, uh, i don't know does that mean we might see danny rick in a haas next year all of a sudden i don't know or we might see Mick Schumacher take Danny Rick's reserve driver role, wherever that is, whether it's Red Bull or Mercedes. Mercedes, yeah. I don't know. Ooh, interesting. So, interesting so. times. Well, seventh year over at fans, you are going to have to check our social media pages, particularly our Instagram and Twitter for any updates on that particular story, because there's there's suddenly some more drama. There's, as they say, something's afoot at the Circle K uh, going into the last race of the season. So interesting. Well, all right, John, anything else, buddy? Nope. I'm just excited to see how next week goes. And now I'm hotly anticipating whatever decision Haas makes with Mick and maybe involving Danny on this one. Be interesting if if somehow the Cosmos conspired to have Danny Rick and K Mag as teammates. The, that would, that would actually hilarious. probably a stronger driver pairing than the car capability pairing. <laughs> uh fully agree to that <laughs> you know and how much press by the way did the uh i forget the his name the the haas technical engineer the japanese guy get when k-mag took the poll i mean that guy on the netflix series got his ass ripped in the debrief room so many <laughs> times between the drivers and gunter and, and the guys but that guy actually looked like you know, he didn't have to fear for his job or his life at that point. So good on him. At any rate, lastly, and John, you know this, but just for the seventh gear over at fans notification over the last, oh, 24 to 36 hours or so, we have got confirmation on some pretty awesome upcoming guests for the seventh gear over F show between now and the end of the year, because we are probably going to do just a couple, maybe a few more shows here between now and Christmas. But we got confirmation, just like I said, in the last 24 to 36 hours that not only are the likes of Randy Lanier, Randy Lanier, folks, if you remember that name, he was just in town yesterday to do a book signing at Grant King's uh, Indy car shops. The guy that was spent 20 years in jail for smuggling millions of pounds of weed. And they did the Netflix uh, show on that guy, the need for weed. We've got him coming on the show. You've probably, if you're interested, if you do podcasts, you probably heard him on the Dale Earnhardt Jr. podcast. He's going to come on the show. We also have the man, the dancer, the boxer, Willie T. Ribs has confirmed that he's going to be coming on. We've got Mika Hockenin that's coming on. We've got Lynn St. James. James coming on. We've also got Zach Brown coming on. So these are obviously those are more guests than we have weeks left in this in the year to get it done. But we're going to after once we get to the holidays, we'll take a little bit of a break. But you can look forward to uh, hearing announcements on the, the exact dates of those shows in the days and weeks to come. So stay tuned to the greatest spectacle in podcasting for that news, as well as any other updates we get in the meantime. Whew. Ooh, I'm beat. Big lineup. Big lineup. As if, for those of you old enough to remember the uh, Ed Sullivan show, 
we've got really big shoes ready yep. to roll for you. So very. All right. All right. On that note, seventh year over at fans. Thank you very much for listening, John. Thanks buddy. That was great insight and great research on your part there. Following up on this, uh, this weekend's uh, formula one grand prix from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. Happy to do one it. to go. So, yep. all right. Again, special thanks to our great friends and partners over at grindboss.com for those fantastic heavy duty skin safe hand wipes that will remove. Apparently they don't remove our bitter Eflon rants because we still have them, but it'll take it. They're not going to re- remove Max Verstappen's shitty attitude. That's for sure. Fair enough. And, but and they'll remove we, everything else. Maybe we need to ship some to Christian Horner and see if he can remove his shitty attitude. Sure. I'll, I'll make that call. I'll, I'll get him on the speed dial on the bat. Do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Seventh year over at fans. Thanks again for you, you and your listenership. We are in 44 different countries and over 20 different directories. John, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. That yep, you absolutely. Show. And seventh year over at fans. Stay tuned for the greatest spectacle in racing for next Tuesday's show, which will actually wind up being that'll be November 22nd, right before Thanksgiving. Maybe we do a special Thanksgiving show for that one. John, what we're thankful for. Well, I'm going to be thankful for the fact that I'll be on a ship somewhere in Jamaica during that time. So yeah, there we go. (laughs) Done and done. All right, brother. On that note, folks, we're going to let you go and we'll see you next week. Thanks, John. Thank you. Have a good day. But wait, there's more. Got a couple of corrections, maybe an update, some conspiracy theory, perhaps, as well as a shout out here to a friend of the show. First of all, earlier on in the show, I was having a hard time remembering the name of the team that went from Force India and is now Aston Martin. It was the infamous Racing Point. And the other driver that was involved with Esteban Ocon was not Carlos Sainz. It was Checo Perez. So pardon me for my brain fart during that. Also, I was thinking about why Leclerc was begging, begging for the team to let him go by science for third. I would be willing to bet my bottom dollar that Charles Leclerc has some massive bonus in his contract for where he finishes in the driver point standings. That is the only thing that I can think of as to why he would have been such a little bitch about that. So just my conspiracy theory off the top of my head. Also, we have an update. Post the recording of that review of the Brazilian Grand Prix. John hit me up with a social media post and text actually earlier today, letting me know that it appears that Haas is expected to announce Nico Hulkenberg to partner K-Mag for the 2023 season, which would be very interesting. And I love, I love Hulk. Can't wait to see him back. But however, if you guys remember the Netflix uh, Drive to Survive series, one of the first couple seasons, remember when Hulkenberg and K-Mag kind of got into it and K-Mag had the infamous comment, suck my balls, mate? Yeah, that's going to be the pairing at Haas next year. So that could be particularly interesting. And last but not least, a good friend of ours, friend of the show, the one and only the legend, the voice of the Indy 500, Mr. Paul Page, has announced that he is going to have a second printing of his well-received book. Hello, I'm Paul Page. It's race day in Indianapolis. And that second printing should be available later this week or next, certainly in plenty of time for the holidays. So if you've got a race fan in the family, I have this book. I'm going to have to ask him to sign it for me, but it is well worth the read. A couple of minor changes in the second printing, but again, well worth the read. Go out and order yours today. Now, as we throw the checkered flag on this week's episode, don't forget, kids, make sure you're hitting us up on all of our social media platforms. You can find us once again on Instagram at 7th Gear Overrev. You can also find us on Twitter, which is at gear underscore seventh. Obviously, we have Facebook. We have a Facebook group page. And you can even email me, Kevin at 7th Gear Show.com. And it's the number seven. So Kevin at 7th Gear Show.com. So if you like what you're hearing, you got suggestions, you got complaints, you want a bitch, you want to order your own uh, 
grind boss wipes, hit us up. Even hit us up just to let us know you're listening. We'd love to hear from you. But while you're doing that, make sure you're sharing the show with all of your friends and family. You're liking us, you're rating us, you're reviewing us, and you're smashing the damn subscribe button once and for all. Please, we're in 44 countries like we talked about before. Let's let's try to get to 45 and then 50 and keep it going. It's, we're over 4,200 downloads right now. This train is moving and we want to keep it rolling. So make sure you're doing all that, spreading the gospel, so to speak. Now, with that said, make sure you're checking back with us on next week's show, which will be November 22nd, as John and I wrap up the F1 season finale in Abu Dhabi and all that goes with that and all the speculation that we talked about from this week's show. So be sure you are back with us for the latest from the greatest spectacle in podcasting. See ya!